Hey, Holly. Hey, Dave. What is going on with yourself on the What Difference Does It Make podcast? Today, Dave, I don't know if things can get any better. Would you like to know me well? Would you like to get to know me well? (laughs) I'd like to get to know you well. You know what? I would like to get to know Howard Jones well. You're in luck. He's coming onto the podcast today, so we will get to know him well. Oh, that's that is uh, love. What is love? I don't know. <laughs> love is the fact that we get Howard Jones on the podcast today. That's awesome. Love it. Okay. Well, Howard Jones has a book out, but it's not just any ordinary book. Holly, please tell me more about this exciting new venture. It is a fanthology, which is a thing. I didn't know that that's what it was called, but it is a collection of memories from fans. He put out a call on social media for anybody who has seen him, been a longtime fan, stories that they have about him, about seeing him, maybe the first time they saw him. This is a fabulous collection of memories that people have submitted. It tells a really nice story about his rise to fame. And it was really fun to read. So it's called a fanthology, but the title of the book is called We're in This Together, which is an awesome title, I think. What do you think, Dave? I agree with that. In fact, you know what? Why don't we bring a fan in on this episode? How about that? Someone who submitted some material, an actual Howard Jones story, and we got her to talk with Howard. This is going to be kind of cool. I should add that we're talking to a fan, but we are fans also. Yes. Well, this was a super fan who submitted her super stories. She still has ticket stubs and bracelets and everything Howard Jones. So she was a great person to talk to, but was not a fan of the What Difference Does It Make podcast. If someone was to become a fan of What Difference Does It Make, how might someone just kind of reach out and touch us somehow? (laughs) You are really good. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I love that segue. You can find us on social media at WDDIM podcast and on YouTube at What Difference Does It Make podcast. And we want to put clips up from this interview, but Howard couldn't be on camera with us. We'll make some audio clips and we'll post those up on YouTube. You just won't get to see him. You know what Howard looks like. You could uh, you could look online and see what he looks like. He's adorable. He's awesome. We love him. Why don't we get right into it now? Okay. How about that? Enough of my yammer yammer. Let's get into it. This is Howard Jones of Howard (laughs) Jones fame on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm here. So fire it at me. (laughs) Thank you. We really, really appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Well, as I was just telling Dave, I could spend the whole time talking about your mom. (laughs) Right. I really loved learning about your parents' part in your fan club and, you know, the special place she holds and your parents hold with the fans. It was really lovely to read. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She was um, a, a very special lady in my mind. Yeah, it was amazing to be represented by her, you know, because she was the interface with the fans because I couldn't possibly deal with the amount of correspondence we were getting. And she set up a team. In the end, it was like five or six ladies <laughs> constantly writing back to the fans. And it was an epic undertaking. And people still, you know, bring those letters that she sent to show me, you know, at, the, at shows. And it's it's really an incredible legacy that she left. Amazing. Yeah, that definitely seemed like a full-time job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she was always giving away secrets, though, as well, about... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like telling fans that she, you know, she established these great relationships with, like things that, oh, yes, Howard will be doing this on a certain time. And if you want to meet him, you know, you'll have to go there. And she used to send like baby pictures of our kids to people. And it's like, well, we didn't actually say you could do that. <laughs>
and I think that's why you know I'm still doing it 40 years later and people are still coming to the shows and it's that relationship we have that sort of trust between each other yeah you always seem to have like a positive outlook on life it was always re- reflected in the lyrics was that reflected back to you when you talked to the fans that you, like you feel like they they re- really embrace this positive message you know as opposed to like, a darker side yeah i think so i mean i obviously have no problem with artists that may present a different side of life you know i think there's absolute space for that as well and it, it sometimes is needed because people need to be assured that other people are going through those difficult things as well but for me it was the opportunity to be as upbeat as possible and make those songs really sort of uplift people's spirits because that's what music can do and life's tough for everyone there's no one who escapes tragedy and suffering and things going wrong and humiliation and, you know, just general difficult stuff. And I think music and art is the thing that can really give people a boost and give them a chance to get over the difficult time and come out the other side. And that's, that's what I was always wanting to do. And I've stuck to that, really. my mum you know she's such a lovely person that really creates an extra bond an extra special bond with the fans and it feels like I mean I know they feel like they know you from that from what I could tell from the book they were very respectful of you yeah definitely I guess you would consider her your number one fan was was she a piano player or what was just kind of you know how you got into it I mean we're going to talk about your mom first okay <laughs> yeah uh well uh, no my mom she didn't play the piano she sang because, you know, she was Welsh and that was what everyone did in her generation. You know, she'd be singing in church and singing at home and her mother used to sing. So it was just totally normal in Wales. They would never have been able to afford a piano. She had five brothers and they lived in this tiny, tiny house. I don't know how they fitted all those people in there. And I know the rent was like eight pounds a week Mm. when we used to go and visit them so yeah piano would have been completely out of the question but i expect she could have learned it though you know i mean she was very musical and she you know she sang beautifully so yeah how is your welsh just out of curiosity (laughs) Um, well i can i I can pronounce welsh and i can sing the welsh hymns you know but i can't speak it authentically i would have to use google translate to do that (laughs) it's complicated (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, at, at one time, Welsh was the language of the whole of the United Kingdom. I don't think people realise that. And then we had some European visitors 
that then changed our language. But at one time, it was the the whole of the United Kingdom spoke Welsh. I did not know that. And you're very diplomatic to say visitors. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from what we've seen of Wales, it looks exquisite. And now with Welcome to Wrexham, Wales is being exposed to more of the U.S., yeah, yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch that yet, but I, I, it's getting great reaction, isn't it? Yeah. It's worth worth it. Who was your football club? Well, you know, I mean, I get asked this all the time. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but, and I do follow football, you know, like I, I really do. So I would say, you know, it's the teams that play the most attractive football to me that I'm attracted to. And at the moment, it's Liverpool that I'm really loving. I like that team. Well, I like the city as well, you know, Liverpool. So to the book, I have a few few questions about the book. (laughs) Did you get the word out for submissions through the fan club? How did you find all these people? Well, we just put it up on social media, you know, that we're going to do this book. And we'd really like to receive stories and anecdotes and you know, anything to do with like any interaction with my music or coming to the shows or having met me or something. And we just literally got inundated with hundreds and hundreds of incredible stories and people sending pictures as well to go with the story. It was a huge success. And I think we weren't able to include everyone in there, unfortunately. It was too much material edited to be like a book length, not the Encyclopedia Britannica. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a great representation. Really, I was really touched by this book and reading the stories. And it makes you realize that it's a common bond, the way the fans have felt about you and have expressed the way they feel about you. Anybody who feels passionate about a band or an artist, we feel like we can relate to them by reading all their stories. And it's just, it's really special. And I, I cried. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think my wife, Jan, has read more of it than I have because I've been incredibly busy. Um, recently with everything and Jan once she started reading she couldn't stop I think that I'm very proud of that relationship with the fans because to me that's what it's all about and and I think that 40 years is a long time and that demands a kind of consistency on my behalf not deviating from what I said I was and who I wanted the music to be about so I think that that's been the heart of it there's been a consistency there right from the beginning right from day one about what values that I upheld and and how I treat people and how I regard the fans which to me I obviously cannot do what I do without them so they've given me the opportunity to do this music and to have the freedom to do it in the way that I really wanted to. And then my part of the bargain is to really deliver the best thing that I can on all levels, you know. Achieved. You can retire now.
though sometimes like, I'm just beginning. I'm just, you know, just getting, starting to get reasonably okay at what I do. I want to point out one difference. So we've been fans since Humans Lib. That was our first exposure mm-hmm. to you. But we saw in the book pictures of you playing the smaller venues before you came to the States. And some of the pictures of you behind the keyboard, short, short hair and round glasses. Yeah. yeah. And it's a much different look than we first experienced when you got here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well it did go, you know, it was it was an evolution from basically doing my first gig as solo sitting down behind a Fender Rhodes piano with a really ropey drum machine on the side and a PA that my friend had made from a kit and realizing that I wasn't getting very much attention. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, you know, plays I realized, you know, I needed to stand up. Um, I needed to stand up with the keyboards. I needed to have a few more around me. I needed to have some lights. I needed to get rid of the spectacles and get some contact lenses. And I needed to just like be a bit more outgoing. It was just a complete learning experience. And as I did that, I realized, oh, yeah, I'm getting closer to being who I really am, actually. That was the great thing. It's not like I was assuming a role. I was just peeling the layers back to reveal who I really was. I was so lucky to have that chance to be able to do that. So was that studying other performers? I mean, Elton John immediately comes to mind. You know, I'm a keyboardist. I'm going to be the star. Who were you a fan of? Who would you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, most keyboard players are very sedentary. You know, I mean, Elton just sits there, doesn't he? And uh, I wasn't going to be that. My inspiration was Keith Emerson, who was the lead man. He was the keyboard player who was the front man of the band. And he was roaming the stage and rolling his Hammond organ around, sticking knives into the <laughs> into the keyboard. And it was just so riveting to watch. And it was more the spirit of that that I, that I took on. You know, if you're going to be the front man as a keyboard player, you know, you have to be mobile. So... For me, it was like getting a keyboard and strapping a guitar strap on it and putting it around my neck and, you know, before guitars were invented or anything. So I could be mobile and then have sequences and arpeggios running with the gear so that I could leave the keyboards running and be out with the audience. And so, I mean, there was nobody to learn from that because as far as I knew, I was the first one to ever do a a one-man electronic show. So it was really make up the rules yourself. And... You know, I got Jed involved, a mime artist, you know, brilliant dancer. And we came up with all these characters. We had TVs on stage with programming done on a BBC computer. Like, how can we do things different to all those rock and roll guys? You know, we're a new generation. We don't want to do the same thing as them. We want to do something different. And that's basically what we did. And that's really what got people on board in the end. And also got a real reaction from the old school, the old guard of rock and roll. What? You haven't got a drummer? What? You haven't got, you haven't got a guitarist? What? You got a mime artist on stage? You know, it's like, yes, we have. And we're sticking to it, mate. It was fun. Performance art, rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was great. Great addition. And yet he didn't detract. You know, you can see how all eyes can go to Jed, but he certainly didn't detract. No, that's right, because we, you know, we worked out characters and we worked out interaction between us. And the, the characters were, were always related to what was in the song. So that was such fun coming up with the ideas and we, we worked together on that. It was just fun. Having a great time learning about the Howard Jones fans and Howard Jones himself. But the time has come to take a break. So let's just do that right now. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. And we're back on the What Difference Does It Make podcast with our guest, Howard Jones. And we would also like to welcome a super fan who was featured in his book, Dorit Jacoby. She's from Los Angeles because we're from L.A. and we wanted to include a little K-Rock element. Brilliant. Yeah. Hi, Dorit. Hello. You're on with Howard Jones. Hi, Howard. (laughs) Hi, Dorit. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Not so bad. I'm in a day off at the moment, trying to rest. So we're hoping you might tell us how you ended up submitting your experiences to the book. Well, so I've been a fan for a very, very, very long time. And I follow Howard Jones on social media and I saw the request for fan stories. And I've seen him so many times over the years that so many things have happened at shows that I felt compelled to share my stories. Even afterwards, I'm like, oh my God, I have new stories because I just saw Howard Jones in Tula Vista when we had Hurricane Hillary and I almost didn't go because I live in the LA area. And I'm like, oh, I have more stories to share. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. That's great. So you're local. Were you at that? And this is for you too, Howard, which I don't remember this, but you played at Warner Center at one of the concerts in the park. I was there. So when was that then? What year was that? Yeah, that's the story in the book, right? So Yes, uh-huh, it is. And I don't remember offhand, but it was probably in the 2009-ish, maybe. Yeah. But your, your first experience was at Universal Amphitheater. Yeah, so my best friend had won pit tickets to see Howard Jones at the Universal Amphitheater, which is sadly no longer a venue. And we mm. were so excited, and we were in the front row, and... Mm dancing and singing and it was it was just like my the best experience Mm. ever that was my first time seeing Howard Jones and yeah Mm. I was so shocked when he was coming to Warner Center one of our local free concerts in the parks because unheard of to get names like Howard Jones and the story I submitted is about how I was kind of mortified Uh, we met some friends there we all had our kids with us our kids were pretty young at the time and I got there super super early Howard because I wanted to be up front 
and to have the best spot to be able to see you and hear you and dance and sing. And there was like this chain link fence thrown across to provide a barrier between where the fans were going to be. And there was a grassy area and then the stage and security and the kids Mm -hmm. were playing with the chain. So I had my kids sit down and we were picnicking and (laughs) just kept, kept, kept giving them snacks to keep them occupied. But my friend's kids were out of control and the security guard came over and talked to us a couple of times. And I was so afraid that we were going to get kicked out or asked to leave or asked to move. So I kept distancing from those friends. I kept moving over a little bit more, a little bit more, because I didn't want to get in trouble because of their kids. And I'm like, I'm not moving. I, I want this spot. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. You did that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Stick to your guns and hold your ground. <laughs> And you're wondering if Howard might have noticed how well-behaved your kids were. I doubt it. I was just praying that it wouldn't be a distraction and that it wouldn't interfere. And yeah, that it wouldn't bother him, that we wouldn't get kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. When when our kids were young, we we took them on the road. You know, they came with us. They slept on the tour bus with us. And they had like 30 uncles and aunties to look after them during the day. Uh, There's a great picture that we saw uh, yesterday of of our uh, son when he was one years old, apparently driving the tour bus. Obviously, he wasn't actually driving it. But there he is sitting in the driver's seat, you know, with his hands around the wheel. And we always love having kids around, actually. You know, that's because, you know, we're family people. So it's great that you brought your kids, you know, because it's it's music, isn't it? And it's fun. Yes, yes, thank you. I love that. I was telling my youngest, I have three sons, I was telling my youngest, don't come in the office, I'm going to go talk to Howard Jones. He's like, are you kidding me? Tell him I said hello. (laughs) I am completely, like, indoctrinated all of my children. They are huge Mm -hmm. 80s music fans. They know your music. (laughs) Oh, well, that's great. That's great. That's brilliant. That's right. Well, it is exciting for me because, you know, now when I look out on the audience, there's, you know, obviously there's the people who have been with me since the beginning, but also there's all these younger people in the audience, which is very exciting for me to see because it means that the music has traveled through the generations and that makes me feel really good. In fact, I inwardly celebrate as soon as I see a young person in the audience. It's brilliant. Love that. I would imagine the Universal Amphitheater, Howard, was your first like huge show, right? I mean, that was yeah. like 6,500 people. At, at Universal, yeah. what was your memory? Do you remember that? And like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Well, it was the tour where we played Madison Square Garden, and oh. and we played the, the Universal Amphitheater. So, you know, it was a big leap from you know somebody from High Wycombe who'd been playing tiny little pubs. And what I was so proud of is that the team um, that played those huge gigs with me was was the team that started out with me as well. So people who did lighting, sound and tour managing and you know keyboard tech they were all with me when i played those big gigs and so we went on that journey together it suddenly arrived we, we always dreamt that we could play the size of venue but never thought it would happen but it did so it was incredibly exciting to do yeah i loved reading the stories about your friends who, who were the biggest supporters in the beginning that came with you along for the whole journey you talked about it in the beginning of the book yeah that's right to have people who around you that knew where you came from you know that's the very humble beginnings of it all meant that my feet could stay firmly on the ground you know because we'd done this together i know i know i was i was like the focal point of it but i couldn't do what i did without them and we just went on this adventure i remember the first time we came you know we arrived at new york on the plane all of us and we got onto our first tour bus 
and the driver, his name is Mike Morrison. He said, "Okay, you lannies, I got to say a few things to you." You know, and he was, he was, it was just a big shock for us. And he said, "You know, only number two is in the in the toilet, and make sure your bed is clean." And and you know, it was like it was just a big shock. But then he became like our sort of American grandfather and took us to his home in Alabama and taught us how to water ski, you know. And we got to do all those things together. We got to discover America together. And um, it was an amazing journey together. Fantastic. Well, it's no wonder that the amount of submissions could not fit in one book. You're going to have to have a sequel, yeah. apparently. Yeah. I think probably the next thing for me now, the next book will be the, you know, the autobiography, because I do want to write, but I don't think the story's quite finished yet. So I'm going to wait another few years before yeah. I tackle that. It would be, you know, writing it from my perspective, you know, will be the next book. Have you started yeah. that? Do you, were you keeping a diary um, along the way, like through these well, 40 years? I, I've kind of been doing it. My friend Anil Prasad, who's this amazing music journalist, he's been doing all my liner notes for the last six, seven years, you know, when we do a new release. So he's interviewed me literally hours and hours and hours. And we, so we've got all that as material that we can use as a sort of backbone of the book. Yeah, so it, it has started in a sense. We just need to press the button on that. <laughs> and get going <laughs> all it takes is a button you press a button and boom there's a book <laughs> well <laughs> press the button in the, you know the sort of metaphorical sense that yeah okay we're gonna do this now <laughs> the photos of the early early tickets for your the ones that are in the book it's printed on them tickets sold with the express condition that the bearer gets to know 10 people they didn't know before oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. is that a you was that a you thing yeah. yes that's definitely was a me thing yeah yeah. I love yeah. that. You know, like like to get to know you well. That's the spirit of yeah. that song. Because it was becoming a community. And what we used to do as well, we used to hire coaches that come from High Wycombe and take people to wherever I was doing a show. If I was doing a show up in London, we would hire these coaches and fans would pay like just enough to cover the price of the coach hire. And they would come with me. So I'd bring my audience with me. And I never went on one of those trips, but people said it was like the best fun, you know, ever. Everyone was singing the songs on the way there and then singing different ones on the way back. So, you know, being able to create that atmosphere around what I did was always a, an aim. You know, we, we wanted to do that. That's amazing. So lovely. Well, and that's, that's why we have this book today. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing this on your day off. Okay, thanks. Well, thanks. For, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much for doing it. Thank you, Howard. Dorit, say say goodbye. Bye, your... Howard. Okay. I hope to see you okay. again soon. Okay, okay, Dorit. Yeah, thanks for coming on and and talking with us. Thank you. Cheers. Bye now. Bye. Thank you, Dorit. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was very cool. Very nice. Very good. Thank you for joining us. I was just kind of scanning through, like looking for any mention of K Rock in this book, and yours is the only mention of it so I, really yeah so, then I, so I looked you up really quick like oh wait okay maybe there's no way she's going to answer this message but I'll send it and you were on so I mean honestly you. the only reason why I answered because I saw that uh Jason and Matt are mutual friends oh. and and then I was a little skeptical because you know there's a lot of creepers out there these days yeah well um, yeah, I am uh, I am a creeper but but I'm glad you still just a creep just a creep well, yeah I did, I did also screenshot it and send it to Jason and Matt and be like is this guy for real do 
should I answer this guy? Good for you. Yeah, no, no, you but should. No, that's, you. That is, thank you for reaching out. I'm dying to see the book. It was supposed to be out in September. And then the production guy sent me a message saying it's been delayed and it's going to be October. But I'm guessing you've got an advanced copy. I can't wait to see it. I don't know what they put in there from what I submitted. Yeah, we just got the, the PDF the of P- it. Yeah. It's beautiful. Even the PDF, it looks, it's beautiful. It was really fun to read. Really, really fun to read. Oh, I can't wait to get my copy. I'm so excited to, to see that and to read it. Yeah. It really is genuinely touching to read these stories. As a music fan, you will enjoy it, I think. Yeah. yeah. I was asked at the Tula Vista show, I was asked by the people behind me to sit down. Howard Jones actually opened the show and I was really surprised that he opened the show and the people behind me asked me to sit down and I was like, um, no, I'm here for him. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate that. Like, I, you know, I still... The guy told me, he's like, you paid for a seat. Not to stand. You paid to sit. I'm like, no, no, sorry. No, that's not. You did not pay for seats. <laughs> no. Sorry. I'm a true fan through and through. I yeah. were like, you're, the, you're there to dance and have a great time. Yeah. I submitted a copy of my uh, picture of my um, party in the pit wristband, party in the pit with Howard Jones <laughs> yes, wristband from Universal right. Amphitheater. Yeah. yeah. And it's on a page with like literally with an NXS ticket, Depeche Mode ticket, U2 ticket. All from like yeah. the late 1980s. Uh, are you going to Vegas to see a certain I band? Am, I have to. Yeah. <laughs> that was, U2 was my first concert ever. So it, it's very surreal because actually the same friend who won our party in the pit tickets with Howard Jones is the one that I'm meeting in Vegas to go see U2 with. And she is the one that I went to see the Joshua Tree Tour, my first concert ever back on November 17th, 1987. So it's very like full circle for us. All right. We're a fan, Dorit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully our paths cross and I'll re-meet you again, but I'm definitely going to check out your podcast. Wonderful. Yes. Tell all your friends and spread the word. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Oh, of course. All right. Short and sweet, Holly. Like a perfect pop song, like the perfect Howard Jones pop song that's sweet and melodic and just you can't get enough of it you want to play it again i want to play this podcast again how about you it was short and sweet we'd love to have more time with howard and hopefully when he releases his biography we will be able to chat him up again i agree and it was nice even after howard left conversation kept going with dorit so i actually reached out to her after doing her due diligence she found out that i was legit and sort of legit so a big thank you to dorit for just going in kind of blind and and joining us on the podcast so thank you very much that was that was really delightful and thank you to to howard of course and to carice yatter of hired gun media for hooking us up with howard as i was looking at old emails we've been trying to get howard on the podcast for over a year and it finally happened just don't give up on your dreams friends because once in a while they do come true so thank you to carice we made it happen and got howard in the virtual studios thank you to pantheon podcast you got some other thank yous, Holly? Thank you to the listeners and to our, our followers on, on social media and our subscribers. Thank you. Yes. But in case you want to know more about what difference does it make, please go on our website, WDDIMpodcast.com. WDDIMpodcast.com. That stands for What Difference Does It Make? Podcast. Sign up for our newsletter. It comes out once a month. It's a lot of fun and you can kind of catch up on what we've been up to. Any other following notes? I think that'll do it for today. I'm just going to continue on with my everlasting love of Howard Jones. Maybe go check out a few uh, videos on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. Thanks again. And until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.